Welcome back to the Courtside with Kurt Standard Times podcast. I'm digital editor Brendan Curie, and I'm here with longtime Courts and Cops reporter Kurt Brown, and we're going to be trying to talk a little bit louder for our Facebook Live audience out there, so hopefully we have the levels right for our podcast listeners. We're trying to keep both groups happy, and we're back for a second podcast in two days here. Kurt, you were off last week, so Was. we're trying to keep uh, all of our uh, viewers and listeners uh, active and up to date on the, the latest comings and goings of the New Bedford and the area court systems. Uh, thank you very much, Brendan. All right, so today we're going to be talking about the case of John J. Mello Jr. He's a 57-year-old New Bedford man who was uh, arrested on September 9th after allegedly uh, cutting a woman's throat with a box cutter. Mm. Um, so I'll just go through a few of the, the details of the case and uh, kind of what police say happened. Um, do first, do you want to discuss uh, an advisory? Oh, yes. Uh, we'll let our, uh, our readers and listeners know that uh, there will be uh, kind of the topic of violence will come up here and uh, there's some violent incidents here. Um, so uh, definitely uh, be aware of who is listening or watching this and uh, maybe not a topic for children. So, I think good that's point, advisable. Kurt. Yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> this is a very, uh, very sad incident. Uh, it's very troubling, not only for, for the family uh, uh, here, uh, but also for the community, because this is domestic violence, and domestic violence infects the entire community, infects the entire region. So, um, Mr. Mello uh, is accused of of taking a box cutter slash utility knife and um, cutting the throat rather severely of a of a, a woman. Um, it occurred uh, September 9th. Uh, police were New Bedford police were called to the scene. Uh, he made um, admissions and confe- he uh, made a confession about what he did. Uh, he said that they had a heated uh, argument and that he uh, he did. Uh, what the police are saying he did, which was that he took this weapon and he um, cut uh, this woman's throat. Uh, according to the police report, she suffered a serious uh, throat laceration. Um, and uh, he expressed uh, some suicidal thoughts. Uh, he was taken to St. Luke's Hospital to be checked out, uh, and as well as well as to be examined. Uh, the victim was taken first to St. Luke's and then med-flighted to um, Boston City Hospital uh, for treatment, where the hospital says that uh, she is no longer a patient there. Um, so it sounds like thankfully she has survived that's what it sounds like also, we also checked with the district attorney's office and um, as far as they as far as they know uh, that uh, she has survived so it's a, a sad incident one, one a little strange thing about it though is this happened September 9th mm-hmm. um, here it is September 21st now mm-hmm. uh, so there seemed to be a delay in this actually getting reported out by, by some authorities yes in 2014, there was a change in Massachusetts domestic violence law. It was intent, the intent of it was very well intended. It was meant to protect the victims of uh, domestic abuse uh, by prohibiting the police department from releasing information about them. Uh, 
oftentimes in the reporting of the who, what, where, when, where, and how, the uh, victim by default becomes identified in releasing the information about the defendant, who is um, most times a household member. Uh, so... People can do things like matching up the addresses, and you know, if the address of the perpetrator is released, then they figure the apps, the address of the victim is sometimes the same. That is correct. Like that, yeah. And so, state uh, domestic violence advocates uh, pre- pressed lawmakers, and they pre- prevent, uh, they place this provision in the law. the The way it works in New Bedford Police Department is that New Bedford does not release any information about domestic cases. So we, her, uh, this happened September 9th. Um, I was off. I received a call at home from a community activist about it and told that it was ex- very uh, serious. I relayed that information to the paper. The paper, in turn, called the police department and was told that uh, <clears throat> the police department was not releasing any information because it was a, a domestic um, I came back to work this week, and one of the first things I did was to uh, go to the courthouse because although the police are prevented from releasing information, the uh, courts are not. However, you need to know the name of the defendant. Uh, so the law, however well intended, it, and I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit here uh also shields victims um shields defendants shields uh, defendants thank you brendan uh but because many times violent domestic acts do not get reported um the media uh, no longer is able to have one reporter in the arraignment session in district court when defendants are brought in to make judgments on whether or not uh, a case is worthy of coverage. We can't rely on the police department because of the law and uh, because of our own constraints, financial constraints, we cannot have uh, a reporter inside the court. So uh, this is a case where it was, uh, it was missed and it was extremely unfortunate. Uh, it's unacceptable in all of our minds that this happened on uh, September 9th. It wasn't reported until last night on our website and in the paper until today, September 21st. In your mind, is there a compromise to, to come to? Because, I mean, obviously you don't want all the information, and, and we hide a lot of information even if we know it about victims, but uh, where, where would be the spot to land on be with working with police departments and media on something like this? And, and this is a, a personal opinion that it would be very beneficial if police departments would just give a friendly phone call and say that um, – you know the law about domestic violence, and we cannot release any information. And we would say yes. And then uh, they would say, however, it might behoove you to be in district court tomorrow to cover the case of blank, blank. And, and this information is not to be attributed to us. We're just uh, informing you, and you do with it what you want. I think that's a reasonable compromise. And then all the attribution uh, for the story would come from the court documents, would come from the court, uh, the prosecutor, and the defense attorney. 
And that would allow the public to know that uh, there's a possibly dangerous man. Now, in this case, he is being held he is on be- bail, but, right. uh, you know, actually not on bail. He's being held uh, Wait, without bail. Without bail. Right. Um, but, you know, sometimes this incident may happen and the person is back out on the street. And so uh, the public needs to know that uh, somebody with uh, possibly dangerous tendencies is out there. And the public needs to know that this occurred. Uh, domestic violence is a disease. And... Uh, the mere fact that it happened affects everybody. And so the public needs to know about it. And that's what we're in the business of doing. Keeping the public informed, that's important. So uh, so his next hearing will be October 12th. Uh, that'll be a probable cause hearing. That'll be a probable cause hearing. There was a stipulation by his defense attorney that uh, he would be held without bail, would be declared a dangerous uh, danger to public safety. Now, the district attorney's office has up to 120 days uh to bring this case to trial. Uh, I inquired yesterday with them if they were going to transfer this to Superior Court. Um, they said that uh, that uh, grand jury proceedings, uh, and they're entirely proper and correct in doing this, are, um, are not for publication, and so they were not going to discuss it. Uh, but... Uh, Given the severity of this, I do not think this case will stay in district court. What is the major difference, I guess, between the district court and a superior court case? The, the penalties are much greater at the superior court level. Uh, and when it, the important thing to remember about court is that court does not just punish the individual. Court sends out a message to society and to the community that this behavior is wrong. And if it occurs, this is going to be how it's punished, given certain set of facts on uh, criminal history. All right. Well, thanks for being with us again. Thanks to our uh, Facebook Live and podcast listeners uh, for sticking with Courtside with Kurt. Uh, We'll be back when there's a next case that uh, deserves some attention. Thank you, Brendan, very much. Thank you, Facebook uh, viewers.